This message comes from NPR sponsor Planet Oat. No deep thinking here. Planet Oat oat milk is rich, creamy, and an excellent source of calcium with vitamins A and D. Also, Planet Oat's unsweetened varieties have zero grams of sugar. Visit planetoat.com for more. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I am the voice of God, the one he has on his voicemail. (laughs) Bill Curtis. And here's your host at the Studebaker Theater at the Fine Arts Building in Chicago, Illinois, filling in for Peter Sagal. It is Nagin Farsad. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. As Bill said, I am Nagin Farsad, sitting in for Peter Sagal, and I am so drunk with power that the script is full of tautologies and dangling participles. Eat it, Peter. (laughs) Later on, the hilarious Nick Kroll will join us to play our games, but first, it's your turn. The number is 1-888-WAIT-WAIT. That's 1-888-924-8924. Now let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Good morning. Hello, who am I speaking to? Uh, This is Ben Corey from Everett, Washington. Ben Corey, what do you do in uh, Washington? I got a couple things going on. I'm an owner at Pop Skate Shop, the best skate shop in Everett. I uh, teach ethical philosophy to third, fourth, and fifth graders, and I'm a wedding in my spare time. So, so, like, what kind of lessons do you teach third and fourth graders about ethical philosophy? Well, we, uh, we try to dive into uh, what makes a good friend, uh, the value of honesty, why Betty keeps cheating at Foursquare, just stuff like that. <laughs> um, amazing. Okay, so Ben, let me introduce you to the panel. First, a senior video editor at the New York Times, where he says he is somehow still awaiting a fair contract. It's Shane O'Neill. Hey, Shane. Hello. Hi, Shane. Hi. Next, she writes the syndicated Ask Amy Advice column and publishes the coziest newsletter on the internet. You can find it on Substack. It's Amy Dickinson. Hey, man. Hi, Amy. And an actor and comedian co-hosting the stand-up show We Fixed It at Caveat in New York City on March 23rd. It's Peter Gross. Hey, Peter. Hello. Hi, Peter. Hi there. All right, Ben. You're here to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read three quotes from this week's news in his mellifluous, dulcet tones. <laughs> and if you know two of them, you'll win our prize, which is the voice from anyone on our show on your voicemail. And no, I'm not offended that I'm never asked to be that voice. <laughs> okay, Ben, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, your quote is from Tucker Carlson texting about someone who, on air, he said he loved. I hate him. I should have done we learned Tucker was one of many Fox News personalities talking trash about who? Oh, yeah, what's uh, Daniel Tramp? Or, oh, <laughs> <just a Robin. laughs> um, oh, Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Daniel Tramp is right. Uh, <laughs> Tucker Carlson was on a text thread with Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram. It's like your family group chat, but everybody is the crazy uncle. <laughs> Have you guys been following this story, Pam? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, only with, with like, rapturous glee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let me explain what's going on. Um, so, we're seeing private texts from Fox News hosts, not because we're being punished, but because Dominion Voting Systems is suing Fox for $1.6 billion for defamation. Basically, Dominion has to prove Fox hosts were saying things on air that they didn't believe, and boy, were they. Uh, while Tucker and his colleagues were saying the election was rigged when they knew it wasn't, He also said stuff like, Trump is a demonic force. He's the world champion of destroying things. I truly can't wait to ignore him. And if you think what Tucker Carlson said about Trump was bad, wait till you hear what normal people said. (laughs) It's a little too, like, on the nose for me, almost. It's like, oh, they were literally saying everything that everyone else was saying just in private, but then going on the air and saying the exact opposite. It's like, you could not have written it to be more uh, stereotypically BS. They were just lying liars lying about a liar. (laughs) Yeah, it's as if... That's like a that's like a uh, a challenge of like can you say something very descriptive but only use one word? 
<laughs> also, Rupert Murdoch, too, was like admitted that he knew it was all BS. Yes! Like, it doesn't get any bigger than that. I mean, yeah. what I found really amazing about the Rupert Murdoch thing is that, first of all, he's still alive. I right. didn't know. <laughs> right? Remarkable. <laughs> And, um, and he actually wasn't aware of any of this because he doesn't get his news from Fox, right? <laughs> he admitted that. Like a good drug dealer, like, you don't get higher in your own supply. <laughs> he probably reads the Saturday Evening Post or something like that. <laughs> if it's not in Reader's Digest at the, uh, the supermarket checkout aisle, I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> um, all right. Here's your next quote. The old rule was really outdated. You could create any kind of Frankenstein. This is from the New York Times reporting on new FDA guidelines. The first update since 1994, which say we can't call certain what healthy anymore? Food? Yes, Yes. that's right, food. (laughs) Under... Under new FDA guidelines, packaged foods, including SpaghettiOs, certain sugary yogurts, and Cocoa Puffs, would no longer be able to use the word healthy. Whoa, 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 whoa. That every single thing you named is an important part of my culture. So, I'm not good with that. But Amy, I I do want you to know that in a generous concession, they are allowing them to keep using the word food. (laughs) So you get to keep that part. You, you mean, so you literally can't say these are healthy SpaghettiOs? N- no. Shouldn't your tongue like light on fire if you say that sentence? <laughs> no, well, okay, so there has been pushback. Uh, the makers of Fruity Pebbles and Lucky Charms <laughs> are complaining they'll no longer be allowed to uh, say those foods are healthy, which is weird because, wait a second, they were actually saying that those foods were healthy? They're also not lucky, to be That's sure. Right. I've eaten those every morning. Waiting for win the lottery. I have not won once. Peter, they never they they are magically delicious. You have to grant them that. That is true. I would also say, I mean, I've never eaten fruity pebbles, and look at me now. (laughs) I get nature versus nurture. There you go. (laughs) When is the FDA going to weigh in on that? (laughs) I'm surprised that people aren't like. I would never give my child fruity pebbles. I mean, this just seems like a crackdown on, like, the best place to sleep over when you're a kid. Like, it's like... <laughs> that is true. Can I just say, as the Iranian on the stage, people would come over and be like, oh, cool, so we're having a walnut pomegranate chicken? That's great, Nagin, thanks. Oh, more, more farina? <laughs> um, okay. So your last quote is from the New York Times describing a star-studded event that will take place this weekend. The ceremony is overlong, with groan-inducing banter between presenters, adding to a feeling of bloat. What is the ceremony? I think that's a really mean thing to say about Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. teaching your third graders? He came to play. Uh, The Oscars, I believe, right? That's right. It's Hollywood's biggest night where we root for the one movie I watched over the holidays, winning over a bunch of movies I only watched the trailer for. (laughs) It's a night to celebrate Hollywood's biggest stars and Andrea Riseborough. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, it's going to be tough to top last year's excitement because slapping isn't going to cut it anymore, right? Like, at this point, we really need someone to get stabbed. (laughs) As long as we can all vote on who we think it should be, that that would be be the interesting thing. Um, And this comes at a weird time for Hollywood, like the latest Marvel movies have tanked, and some people are saying it's the end of superhero films, which is sad because Kate Blanchett already signed up for the eight movies in the Iron Tar Expanded Symphonyverse. (laughs) Okay, Uh, Bill, how did Ben do? You know... Ben not only got three right, but he gets a bonus point for turning the joke on us. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, well Ben. Well done, Ben. Thanks, Thanks. Thank you, Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ben. Goodbye. Okay, panel, it's your turn to answer questions from the news. Amy. A new business is allowing people to use artificial intelligence to write what? 
love letters. Oh, so so oh, close. That's my next business, by the way. Okay, it 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 keeps trying to make you say till death do us part. Marriage, but proposals, wedding vows. We'll oh, give it vows? to you. Wedding vows. For $30, you too can have your wedding vows written by an AI chatbot. That way, you can spend time on more important things like tying 300 bows to folding chairs. <laughs> oh my God. It's a great option for people who were offered a time-honored script for wedding vows, but said, our love is too special to be captured by pre-written vows, and then said, never mind, I need a robot to explain to me how I feel about my wife. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who's doing this more, men or women? Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, does the AI give like a really good guess of how long the marriage will last? <laughs> <laughs> Right, till death to us part in two years. <laughs> I went to my straight college roommate's wedding and their vows were so beautiful that I started crying. And afterwards I was like, where did you come up with them? And he's like, oh, I Googled it. It was actually for lesbians, but we liked it. Oh. <laughs> It was actually four lesbians <laughs> with a warning that was like, straight couples do not use. <laughs> but that's the thing is that I'm a traditionalist. That's how I want people to find their vows, you know? Not, right. Not right, by Googling it. The old-fashioned way. Googling lesbian wedding vows like you're supposed to do. I bet, I bet he was Googling lesbian something and his wife walked in and was like, oh, wedding vows, wedding vows, wedding vows. <laughs> Listener, bluff the listener. Call 1-888-WAIT-WAIT to play. In mere moments, we'll be back with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mattress Firm. How do you sleep at night? No matter what might be keeping you up, Mattress Firm can help anyone sleep. Mattress Firm will find you the right mattress from a wide selection of top brands at every budget. Plus, if you see a lower price somewhere else, they will match it up to 120 nights with their low price guarantee. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and sleep at night. Restrictions apply. See mattressfirm.com or a store for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor Osea with skincare sets for Mother's Day in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM. Do you wish stories could unfold over three hours rather than three minutes? You tired of doom scrolling? Trying to find humanity? Or maybe a deeper understanding of why the world is the way it is? Listen to Embedded, NPR's original documentary series. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Amy Dickinson, Peter Gross, and Shane O'Neill. And here again is your host at the Studebaker Theater in Chicago, Illinois. Filling in for Peter Sagal, it's Nagin Farsad. Thanks, Bill. And now, it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call 1-888-WAIT-WAIT to play our game on air. Hello, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Well, hello, my name is Mark Rushoff. I'm from Murphy, Missouri. Uh, hello, Mark. And, and uh, what do you do in Murphy, Missouri? Uh, in Murphy, Missouri, I am a lazy husband who stays at home and takes care of things. However, prior to that, I was a paramedic firefighter. Oh. Oh, oh man. That's not lazy. No, dude, you deserve it. That is a... Uh, and what, what is Murphy known for? Being unincorporated and in between uh, the city of St. Louis and... Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, it's so nice to have you with us, Mark. Uh, in this game, our panelists will each share a story, but only one is true. Bill, what's the topic? Shaken, not stirred. Being a spy is about more than ejector seats and being annoyingly OCD about your martinis. This week, we learned a startling secret from the world of spies. Our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you'll win our prize, the wait waiter of your choice, on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Yes, I am. Okay. First up, it's Shane O'Neill. 
In 2007, a CIA agent monitoring online forums hit a gold mine, a small but active community called Melonheads, buying, selling, and trading large amounts of organic marijuana across state lines. The agent gained the trust of the Melonheads and eventually deciphered their codes. Watermelon meant indica, cantaloupe meant sativa, and honeydew meant a hybrid strain. After months of preparation and coordination with the DEA, the agent set up a sting in Pittsburgh to bust a delivery of muskmelon, a particularly aromatic strain of cannabis. The sting went exactly as planned, literally. Agents were greeted by a truck filled not with weed, but with literal muskmelon. <laughs> Apparently in Melonhead's lingo, watermelon meant watermelon. <laughs> cantaloupe meant cantaloupe. <laughs> And honeydew meant someone out there actually liked honeydew. <laughs> the Melonheads were not, in fact, speaking in code. They just liked melons. The Melonheads themselves were equally confused when they learned of the sting. I live in Vermont, one of them said. Weeds everywhere. Melons aren't. <laughs> All right. A CIA sting about marijuana that ended up actually being about melons from Shane O'Neill. Your next story of a spy secret comes from Amy Dickinson. A story in the LA Times reported this week that a small crew of fashion-forward FBI agents have been moonlighting for years during Oscar season as gown spies, hmm. using their elite covert skills to get a sneak peek at red carpet looks. The most infamous of these is known only as Agent 15. In an exclusive interview, he reported that he has been working for TMZ and People magazine for the last decade. This year, <laughs> the stakes are huge, he said. I got a look at Kate Blanchett's gown by putting a GoPro on one of those landmine-sniffing rats they use in Afghanistan. <laughs> I named him Larry and have been working with him for several months, training him to stick to the perimeter, avoid blends, and head right toward the sh silk charmeuse. Larry came back with some great intel. So, what is Blanchett wearing this year? Agent 15 says, well, Larry liked the Alexander McQueen, but look for Balenciaga with a tiny bit of rat poo on the hem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, FBI agents moonlighting for TMZ from Amy Dickinson, and your last story of a covert mission comes from Peter Gross. According to a new book released this week called The Dirty Tricks Department, back in the 1940s, the OSS, a forerunner of the CIA, experimented with wildly creative ways to best the Nazis and win World War II. But it was in the area of psychological operations where their methods dipped into truly unorthodox territory. According to the book, the OSS came up with a plan to inject female hormones into Hitler's food. <laughs> The goal, to make his infamous mustache fall out, to turn him into a soprano, and to cause him to grow breasts. That's right, their plan to end World War II, give Hitler boobs. They wanted to turn the Ubermensch into an Uberfrau, a Fuhrerfrau. Hitler with breasts, can you imagine that? I bet Tucker Carlson can. <laughs> I bet it's what he has written in the My Ideal Woman section of his Tinder profile. <laughs> Ultimately, though, the plan was scrapped, and the OSS put all their energy into trying to get Emperor Hirohito into a sleeveless white dress to have him walk over an air grate where the wind would send the fabric billowing up. <laughs> Okay, Mark, uh, you've got from Shane a CIA sting that turned up melons, from Amy the FBI moonlighting with TMZ, and from Peter a covert op to give Hitler boobs. Which one is real? I'm going to go with Peter Gross's OSS. <laughs> All right. And uh, to find out the correct answer, we spoke to someone reporting on the real story. Lovell's idea was that if he could inject these female sex hormones into the vegetables, it would make Hitler's voice turn soprano, it would make his mustache fall out, it would make his chest grow breasts. <laughs> that, Unbelievable. Crazy. That was John Lyle, the author of the new book, The Dirty Tricks Department, who researched the story and is a history professor at UT Austin talking about the Hitler boob scheme. <laughs> 
Um, but Mark, you not only earn a point for Peter Gross, but you've won our prize, the voice of whoever you choose on your voicemail, and it's usually not me, which I'm obviously totally okay with. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for playing with us today. And thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Goodbye. And now the game where big names do something tiny. It's not my job. Nick Kroll spent years playing characters that were anything other than Nick Kroll before playing a fictionalized version of his middle school self in Big Mouth. He's now one of the creative minds behind the sequel to Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1, which is called, shockingly, History of the World Part 2. Nick Kroll, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I'm holding for applause. <laughs> um, Nick, you, so you were, uh, I mean, I, I'll just start with Big Mouth because it's such a huge hit um, and it really resonates with a lot of people because of how accurate it is to the middle school experience, like how much of the show is based on your own awkward experiences. A, a, a tremendous amount of it. <laughs> um, I would say... I mean, I, all different things. You know, not all of it happened to me or my, my partner, Andrew Goldberg. Uh, did we have a friend who made, would make love to a pillow? Yes, yes, we did. Uh, and I think now is the time to use their Peter name. Gross? Yeah. See? Yeah. I was going to set you up to name somebody from your childhood, but uh, you beat me to it. Um, so you were one of the creative forces behind History of the World Part Two, um, and I noticed that you were actually a history major at Georgetown. So were you like primarily brought in as a history consultant? <laughs> um, no, uh, I was not. I, um, but I do love history. A lot of my work has had historical elements to it. Um, but I, I think I, it, it was really more of a passion. Uh, for Mel Brooks and, and then history that, that got me the gig, I think. Were you intimidated? <laughs> like, were you afraid about making him laugh and what was going to land with him? Oh, yeah. I mean, pitching a joke to your hero is when you get a laugh from Mel Brooks, it's the best feeling in the world. Uh, and I, but when, you know, he tells you, no, that joke is stupid. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it's a real roller coaster. <laughs> it's truly <laughs> No, and explain this to me. Like, so History of the World Part One came out in 1981, over 40 years ago. Is this the longest anyone's ever waited for a sequel, or what? I. It's possible. I'm currently uh, working on uh, Gone with the Wind too. <laughs> the time is right. The time it feels right. It's Especially from called. a white dude, I think it's such the right call. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good chance for me to tell my story, and, and I'm, I'm excited about that. A Jewish boy from Rye's take on the Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, uh, are you going to go to the Oscars this weekend? Are you invited? You to know, it? I might pop by. Um, <laughs> gonna, uh, my friend, my friend Will said I could be his plus one. So, uh, <laughs> We'll see what happens. I think you might be watching it like from the parking lot. I don't think. Yeah. Um, uh, I won't be there. I won't be there. You're, I, are you? You're rooting for all quiet on the Western Front. I'm assuming you seem like that kind of guy. You know I'm a. You know I'm a Western Front head. Yeah. You know that. You know I love it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I figured. I mean, that's where I'm on DraftKings. That's where all. The <laughs> So you're yep. known for your characters, and so you, you do so many of the great characters on History of the World Part II. What are some of the characters that have been thought of but haven't made it onto your work? Uh, well, I mean, I, I build my characters from the name up. Uh, <laughs> that's the most important way. Some people want to be like, oh, I, I, this, this is where this person is from. This is what their family is like. And I, and I built a character in, in History of the World um, who's a, a Russian Jew in the shtetl, sort of a Fiddler on the Roof parody, uh, and his name is Schmuck Mudman. And, and the idea is, like, every Jewish family grew up with, like, this story of how one of their family members had to escape Russia because they had killed a Cossack with their bare hands, 
And I thought it would be funny if Schmuck just nudged a Cossack to death. <laughs> and I wanted to do a, a, a Sir Isaac Newton bit that uh, we never could quite crack. Um, but he just, an uh, apple falls on his head, and he, what he discovers is applesauce. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the, tepid, the tepid laugh of the audience is exactly why it did not yeah. happen. <laughs> Do you plan on working on History of the World Part 3 in 2063? That's the goal. I mean, only if you guys will come and join me and the whole audience will play part in the next version of it. For just $100 a person, you can apply to Trump University to enter a sweepstakes to be a part of History of the World Part 3. All right, Nick, we, we could talk about your shenanigans forever, but we have actually asked you here today to play a game we're calling... Nick Kroll, meet Rick Roll. <laughs> we're we're going to Rick Roll you. By that we mean ask you about roles played by actors named Rick. <laughs> Answer two... Finally. <laughs> two out of three questions correctly, and you'll win our prize for one of our listeners. Bill, who is Nick Kroll playing for? Aaron Kahn of Los Angeles, California. Uh, I'm very excited. I love Aaron. She's one of my dear friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's your first question. Jesse's girl singer Rick Springfield also played Dr. Noah Drake on General Hospital starting in 1981, but Springfield never sang on General Hospital until 2007 as a part of what storyline? Was it A, he was kidnapped and tied up next to a bomb that could only be diffused by singing a certain frequency? <laughs> B, a rock star who looked exactly like Noah Drake needed emergency surgery so they convinced Drake to fill in for the singer at a big charity concert? Or C, he was abducted by aliens and sang to prove that humans were a worthwhile species? Yeah. I mean, everybody knows in the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me universe how big a General Hospital fan I am. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, so I'm going to say that it was B. That is right. The rock star. Rick, Rick Springfield, of course, played both roles, Noah Drake and the singer Eli Love. Here's your next question. Rick Moranis of Ghostbusters fame was fired from the role of Carl the janitor in The Breakfast Club. Why? Was it A, he insisted on playing the janitor with a cartoonishly thick Russian accent, fake gold teeth, and a gigantic ring of keys? Was it B, he was too short to be seen behind the big trash can he had to wheel around? Or was it C, he spent all day standing outside the bathroom in character and loudly complaining each time somebody used it? I'm going to go... I'm going to go with A. That's right. It was the Russian accent. After a couple of days, John Hughes finally asked him, Rick, have you read the script? (laughs) Okay. And he was like, no, I haven't. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Jingle, jingle, jingle. (laughs) Okay. For your last Rick roll... Rick Overton is a veteran character actor who has played almost 200 roles, including Deacon Williams in the 2015 Lifetime original movie, Lethal Seduction. What was the tagline? Amy Dickinson's story. (laughs) (laughs) What was the tagline of Lethal Seduction? Was it A, never gonna give you up? (laughs) B, never gonna let you down? Or C, never going to run around or desert you. Well, this is, of course, this is a joke about Rick Astley, the original Rick Roll. Uh, I don't appreciate you guys not taking the game seriously. But, uh, uh, my gut is it's A, never going to give you up. You know, you know what? It was none of the above, and we weren't taking it seriously, but we are going to give that point to you. Um, you better. I'm taking this very seriously. I don't appreciate you guys joking around. Uh, it was uh, the tagline, by the way, because I know you're dying to know. The tagline was actually... Innocence can be deadly, <laughs> but you can't really yeah. dance to that, so, you know. That's yeah, le- le- like, I didn't know that, like, lethal, un- lethal, <laughs> the seduction. lethal injection, or whatever it is. 
lethal injections. Right. Oh. Bill, how did Nick Kroll do on our quiz? Nick, you might be surprised, but you got them all right. You're a win in our book. Yes. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, this is what I've been training for my whole life. I would never let Aaron down. Uh, I came here to dominate Rick Roll. I came here to embarrass Pete Gross. I feel like I've accomplished both. Thank you. And I love, I love this audience. Again, you guys are all going to be on History of the World Part 3. Just said it. $100 cash to Pete Gross at TrumpUniversity.com. And in the meantime... You can see Nick Kroll in History of the World Part 2 on Hulu. Nick Kroll, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Nick. In just a minute, we hear crickets in our Listener Limerick Challenge game. Call 1-888-WAIT-WAIT to join us on air. Stay tuned for more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor BritBox. Discover powerful new series like Three Little Birds and BAFTA-winning drama Time, starring Bella Ramsey, Tamara Lawrence, and Jodie Whittaker. Stream the best of British TV only on BritBox. Start a free trial at BritBox.com. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. In any great story, there's a moment that sparks your curiosity. It tells you there is more to uncover. How, how did this happen? How did we get here? That's where Embedded comes in. We are NPR's home for documentary journalism. Immersive and intimate stories. I was stone cold speechless. Nothing will ever ever, ever, ever be the same here. Find Embedded wherever you get your podcasts. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Peter Gross, Shane O'Neill, and Amy Dickinson. And here again is your host at the Studebaker Theater in Chicago, Illinois, filling in for Peter Sagal, it's Nadine Farsad. Bill gets limerick rolled. If you'd like to play, give us a call at 1 888 Wait, wait. That's 1 888 924 8924. But first, we have some more questions for the panel. Peter, new research from a behavioral scientist says the best way to deal with your anxiety is to embrace your inner what? The best way to deal with my anxiety, personally, uh, is to embrace your inner um, anxious uh, adult. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a clue. Okay. Um, just grab a club and relax. Caveman? That's right. Okay. Caveman. The theory suggests that we all have primitive parts of our brains that are constantly worried about survival, food, and shelter. So, like, don't beat yourself up about your anxiety. That's the part of your brain that used to get chased by saber-toothed tigers talking. You can't help it. Just take a Xanax. Is that an option? <laughs> the way the cavemen did. Just take a Xanax. Absolutely. A cave, is that old cave? A cave Xanax is like a club to the head. Where you, just like, you get passed out. Okay, Amy, scientists were shocked this week when a Jurassic era insect was found alive where? Was it clinging to the outside wall of a Walmart? What? Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> And then after I caught it, I like put <laughs> pins in its wings so it couldn't fly away. So, um, 
and so Amy's absolutely right for whatever reason she knows this, but um, you, you really can find everything at a Walmart, including an old bug everyone thought was dead. Uh, scientists were shocked when a giant lace wing was discovered at a Walmart in Arkansas by a Penn State professor of Walmart studies. Huh. Um, the bug was likely attracted to the superstore because of the unique habitat surrounding the location and because there's a good chance something was sticky in the parking lot. <laughs> Wait, so it's a live bug that yes. is prehistoric or it was like this amber thing that it stuck on the side of it? was thought extinct. At least regionally extinct. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and the guy caught it and then walked around with it in the Walmart for, you know, so he could do his shopping. He was like, I have ammo to buy. <laughs> and cereal. <laughs> like, but wait, so did he just, like, take a bug and, like, just literally walk around with it like this? And the bug was like, I want to go home. So he just let me shop. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. What, what was the name of this bug? Troy. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct, yeah. Shane. Technology can be a lifesaver. When a Volkswagen was stolen with a toddler still inside, police were able to call VW and ask them to locate the car by activating the car's tracking feature. It would have worked perfectly, except for what? The toddler had driven it off grid. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not. Um, it would have worked perfectly, except for what? Can I get a hint? I don't. Yeah, know. yeah. Um, insert credit card to locate your child. The child was microchipped? That's awful. <laughs> no, it's pretty convenient, actually, honest, to be honest. <laughs> like, the owners of the car had not done something like a, Like a done. monthly thing that you do that's annoying. That's not getting your period. A yeah. Something else. Oh, my God, they hadn't paid the bill. They had it right. The owner's free trial period had ended. <laughs> The police called VW, and VW said, sorry, can't help you. That's a subscription service, and the owner hasn't paid. So the police had to get her credit card, give it to VW, and get the subscription activated just minutes after the toddler was already found safe and sound in the vehicle, which had been abandoned in a nearby parking lot. Um, she must have been so relieved to get in and drive him home, but as she drove away, she wondered, had she paid the brake subscription? <laughs> yeah, what's the subscription? The, the Find My Car service is, is a subscription? It's like a, yeah. I mean, I, it's part of the Disney bundle, so I'm not sure oh, she right. probably had it. <laughs> um, and I love that this wasn't a kidnapping, but VW is still held the kid for ransom. <laughs> exactly. Like how to go from Farfignugan to we have your kids. <laughs> Next up, we're playing Lightning Fill in the Blank, but first, it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you want to play on air, you can call or leave a message at 1-888-WAIT-WAIT. That's 1-888-924-8924. Or click the Contact Us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. You can see us here most weeks at the beautiful Studebaker Theater in Chicago. And we'll be at TPAC in Nashville April 27th and at Tanglewood in Western Massachusetts on June 22nd. Tickets and information at nprpresents.org. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hey, this is Laurie Roselle, and I'm calling from Haverty Grace, Maryland. Oh, Laurie. Hey, Laurie. Hey. <laughs> what, what do you do in Maryland? What do I do? Um, well, I'm, I'm a tox... Oh, I, you know what? Before I say this, I'm a DOD toxicologist, and uh, I have to say... I have to give you the disclaimer here. My participation is of my own accord, and anything that I say is based on my own opinion and not the opinion or representation or the official position of the DOD. Wow. Um, okay, Lori, uh, you... I can't, at this point, I don't even remember. You speak fully on behalf of the Department of Defense. <laughs> no, no sorry. No, I do not. You, you, absolutely, okay, you absolutely do not. Okay, so we are so glad you're on the show today, Lori. Uh, Bill Curtis is going to read you three limericks. The last word or phrase is going to be missing from each, and if you can guess that word or phrase correctly on at least two limericks, then you win. Here's your first limerick. Our bug ice cream, many do pick it. The protein and crunch is the ticket. 
Plain vanilla we blend with Pinocchio's friend. <laughs> and our top flavored ice cream is... Cricket. So yes. nice. So nice. Wow. Good job. Good so far. You can now buy Cricket ice cream in Germany. And to be clear, this isn't just like a clever name like Moose Tracks or Rocky Road. Cricket ice cream is vanilla ice cream and bugs. It's the perfect dessert for the person disappointed turtle Sundays didn't have real turtle. <laughs> Why Germany? I mean, haven't they done enough bad? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's your next limerick. Here's a tip to make times with a broad last. First off, on a date, get the nod fast. And don't link to your show where you rant with your bros. Don't tell her you're hosting a... Um, podcast? Yes! Yes! Wow! How about that? This week, the New York Times reported more women are starting to steer clear of men who identify as podcasters. (laughs) So all of them? (laughs) And actually, that may need some fact-checking because it suggests women were ever interested in podcasters. There you go. Women making fun of podcasters they've dated is so popular that male podcasters are now lying about what they do on dates. Some men say they work in digital media, while others use the more common synonym for podcaster, unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here's your last limerick. Clean surfaces do not impress. And condo is done causing stress. Now my heart is a flutter. We're all loving clutter. I brag that my place is a... Mess. Three in a row, she's a (laughs) winner and a champ. According to the New York Times, messy and cluttered houses are not only acceptable now, they're actually cool. It's no longer, damn, girl, you live like this. It's now, damn, girl, you live like this. (laughs) I've been wondering why Architectural Digest is following me around. (laughs) (laughs) Bill. Lori do. So impressive, we're going to send her a bottle of Weekend Edition Cabernet. (laughs) (laughs) Lori, you're really good. Lori, congratulations. Thank you so much for playing. Oh, thank you. Goodbye. Bye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I I just started doing research. uh, But the truth is, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from Wondery. For a masterclass on innovation and creativity, listen to How I Built This, where host Guy Raz talks to founders behind the world's biggest companies to learn the real stories of how they built them. Listen to How I Built This early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Now it's time for Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank, the last game of the show, and let's be honest, the most stressful. Each player has 60 seconds to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer is worth two points. Bill, what are the scores? Shane and Amy have two. Peter has three. All right. So, uh, Shane and Amy, you're in third, in second place. Grossi, you have the most points, and I'm going to mix things up this week. That means you're going first. Okay, fill in the blank. Following several train derailments, the National Transportation Safety Board said they were opening an investigation into the rail company Blank. Norfolk Southern. Right. On Thursday, auto giant Blank announced a $1.5 billion buyout program. General Motors. Right. On Wednesday, the governor of Minnesota signed an executive order protecting access to Blank affirming health care. Gender. Right. On Wednesday, House Republicans held their first hearing on the origins of Blank with a focus on the lab leak theory. COVID-19. Right. This week, the Wall Street Journal reported on a snowplow in New York that citizens have named blank. Rudy Giuliani is an insane maniac. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, actually. Close. But it's a forget a plowed it. Ooh. Close. Close. So close. On Thursday, a new report found that the original source of Earth's blank was likely interstellar. 
Just vibe. Vibe. General, like, vibe. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. Water. <laughs> this week, a policeman in the Netherlands who thought he was monitoring a Chinese spy balloon from his cruiser eventually realized blank. It was a child's birthday balloon. It was just bird poop on his windshield. <laughs> <laughs> like permanently on the like, <laughs> I'm doing such a good job of following this thing. The cop was convinced he was seeing a giant white balloon silhouetted against the blue sky, but was baffled that no matter how much he drove, it didn't change in size. It wasn't until he stopped that he realized it was just bird poop on his windshield. Shield. He immediately got an eye exam, which he failed because he thought that every O was also a spy balloon. <laughs> What's amazing is that he told people about it. I know! It. Oh, my God. Bill, how did Peter do? Peter got five right with ten more points and a total of 13. He's in the lead. Oh. Impressive. All right. Amy, you're up next. Fill in the blank. Following a fall at a D.C. hotel, Senate Minority Leader Blank was hospitalized on Wednesday. Mitch McConnell. Right. On Tuesday, five women filed suit against the state of Texas over their blank ban. Abortion. Right. This week, Iran told U.N. officials that they would be reinstalling monitoring equipment at all blank sites. Nuclear Right. Thursday, NASA said they were monitoring a blank that could collide with Earth in 2046. Asteroid. Right. According to a new report, regulators are investigating electric car company blank after reports that their steering wheels can fly off while you're driving. (laughs) Tesla? Right. This week after pop star Rosalia didn't book a tour stop in Peru, one fan responded by blanking. Uh, put on a Rosalia mask and performed instead. Oh, so much more than that. Uh, They spent $100,000 recreating every detail from the show herself and performing it for 3,500 people. I feel like I should get that. It was so close. It was close. The disappointed fans spared no expense in recreating Rosalia's show, hiring eight backup dancers and spending over $100,000 to make sure every detail was perfect. It just shows how much easier it is for people who are independently wealthy to break into the spending two hours lip-syncing to someone else's music industry. Uh, Bill, how did Amy do? She has a total of 12. That means Peter is still in the lead with me. So close, Amy. So close. And so, Bill, how, how many does Shane need to win? Six to win. Okay. <laughs> okay, Shane, this is for the game. Mm-hmm. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, Russian missile strikes knocked a nuclear plant off the power grid in blank. Ukraine. Right. After a proposed increase to the retirement age, nationwide protests broke out in blank. France. <laughs> right. <laughs> this week, the White House released its annual blank proposal. A uh, budget. Right. After over a year of GOP opposition, Gigi Sohn, Biden's choice to serve on the blank, withdrew her nomination. Tennis court. (laughs) (laughs) The FCC. According to a new study, 59% of long blank patients have organ damage. COVID. Right. On Thursday, Topol, best known for playing Tevye in blank, passed away at the age of 87. Fiddler on the roof. Right. This week, CNN reported on a researcher using the power of AI to explore how U.S. presidents throughout history would blank. Party! (laughs) Close. They used AI to figure out how the presidents would look with a mullet. Mm. I think I should get that one. Yeah. (laughs) It is associated. It's associated. It's adjacent. Bill, did Shane do well enough to win? He got four right, eight more points. His ten isn't quite good enough to reach Peter, who is the champion with 13 this week. Nice, Peter. I would like to dedicate this victory to my son, who I did not hang out with today. (laughs) But I love you, and I'll see you later. In a minute, we'll ask our panelists to predict who is going to get banned at this year's Academy Awards. But first, let me tell you that Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our tour manager is Shana Donald. Thanks to the staff and crew at the Studebaker Theater. B.J. Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Special thanks to Blythe Robertson and
and Monica Hickey. Peter Gwynn also looks great with a mullet. Our intern is Vaishnavi Naidu. Technical direction, Lorna White. Special thanks to Gary Yek. Our CFO is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillag. The executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Danforth. Now, panel, who is going to get banned at this year's Oscars? Shane O'Neill. Pedro Pascal and Jennifer Coolidge banned preemptively for fear that a joint appearance would literally slay any gay man watching. (laughs) (laughs) Amy Dickinson. Meryl Streep. She knows what she did. (laughs) (laughs) And Peter Gross. Due to new health restrictions, the FDA will ban the following people from attending. Betty Crocker, Chef Boyardee, and Captain Crunch. (laughs) And if any of that happens, panel, we're going to ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Peter Gross, Shane O'Neill, and Amy Dickinson, and thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Nagin Farsad, in for Peter Sagal, and we'll see you next week. This is NPR. On NPR's Throughline. We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL. Because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a business owner... You know these sounds mean sales. And from the sound of it, your business is growing. Whether you're fulfilling orders from your home office or warehouse, Stamps.com helps you stress less about mailing and shipping and spend more time doing what you love most. Listening to ASMR. I mean, growing your business. But as you grow, so does the need for efficiency. Stamps.com simplifies your shipping and mailing process. Import orders from wherever you sell online. Find the lowest rates with the fastest delivery times. Instantly deliver tracking updates to your customers. And buy shipping and mailing supplies when you run low. Save time and money on mailing and shipping. Get started at Stamps.com today with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale.